calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello, Aether here, and I have V with me. Hey. And we wanted to do a quick little like intro before we get into the episode. Just remind everybody that the art giveaway deadline is on the April the 30th. So you still have a bit of time to enter if you want. Uh, there are four different ways to enter, so that gives you four different chances of winning signed mirror art done by Kessie. Yeah, so uh, I've seen the kind of finished Sultana mirror art, and it looks rad as oh, fuck it is beautiful and Cassie's still currently working on um, Laffian's just kind of finishing that one up and it's looking really the fine really detail good. is incredible Cassie, you're amazing absolutely um, amazing. but yeah there are four different ways of entering four different chances and you just need to do it by the 30th of April um, yeah uh, so there you can find all the information on our Twitter you can ask us on Discord it's all over the place if you're looking for it and you will leave a link in the in the description if you need any more hints uh, other than that I just want to hope that you enjoy the episode And welcome to another episode of Beyond the Eclipse. My name's Aethor, and with me, as always, is... Hey, I'm V. And today we're going to go over episode four of The Lucky Die, uh, Magic and Misdirection. Yes. So this is uh, kind of an important episode, but before we get into the episode, I want to read through the opener that oh, no. V wrote out. Uh, so in this one, it is... Welcome back, prisoners, to The Lucky Die. Previously, Balance flexes his new powers... 
Ralshak uh, frees his companion from the hangman's noose, and Sultana tells Lindrin a profound truth. <laughs> After having their execution nullified by a higher power, the group are offered a different kind of de- different kind of death at the hands of Lindrin. Uh, and I think that's it. There are a bunch of questions, right? Uh, let me see. At this point, I had settled properly into my rule uh, of three yes, for questions. Yes, here yeah. it is. I've <laughs> missed half of them. Uh, will they take this new lease of death? Will Lindrin for- forget being called a dick? What's up with that Kythea chick? I guess we're about <laughs> to find out. Welcome back to the lucky die. Yep. Intro of some place. Um, <laughs> now I have to find my notes again. Right. Yeah, so this episode opens on um, kind of a, like a... Uh, it opens on kind of a weird thing where like uh, Balance is like um, harassing Kythea, basically. <laughs> yes. Um, it's It's a little awkward, but then I guess sometimes romance starts like this are kind of awkward. Um, yeah, and I think it really goes to highlight that Laffin doesn't have a lot of social, uh, rusty social skills. I was going to say they're rusty. Um, and that he really has lived a pampered life of he can't even cook. He's never cooked for himself. He's in prison and he's never cooked for himself. So, yeah, I think it goes really well to demonstrate that, that aspect of his character. And I'm really glad I managed to get that out of him. Yeah. Um, and throughout the episode, you begin to realize that Kaitia is a little more than meets the eye. And I think I'd managed to hint at that a couple of times before this point. Yeah. Um, but the romance between them was not something planned. And it's purely coincidental that he started hitting on Kaitia and she was looking for him very literally. Um, so, yeah, it was a nice coincidence. But, oh, boy, um, I was I, I know Arch a bit. Um, back then I didn't know him massively and this was just super awkward for me but I make it my rule if, if someone wants to attempt to romance an NPC I'll give it a shot I just might not be very good at it <laughs> I think you play it off pretty well That I think most of the interaction come off um, genuine enough yeah. uh, Balance is of course prodding in places where he knows he shouldn't be prodding and Kythea has no interest in sharing so it creates a kind of a fun dynamic where both of them are like awkwardly telling the other one to go fuck themselves yes um <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I, I have have I, I just have it written in my note because I thought it was so funny when uh, when Casey gasps when uh, Balance impl- implicates that Kythea likes um, uh, Caden more than Balance. Oh yeah, I don't know why <laughs> it's that like kind of drama moment. Like <gasps> we're only on episode four and we already have gasps. <laughs> We already have strange romantic entanglements. We're only like three and a half hour episodes, three, three and a half hours through this podcast. What is going on? Yeah. yeah, it's very funny. And yeah, Kythea never had any interest. Like most of the NPCs that are in this world, they are, mm, unless specifically in a relationship, I basically play most characters of like, yeah, they could be involved with any of the 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 main players if that's what they really want unless it goes massively against their character yeah Um, yeah makes sense and yeah uh the characters have a bit of a back and forth talking about uh this and that and (laughs) it uh, hmm? 
<laughs> Sorry, I'm looking at my notes for that part. It's called the Pain Olympics is what I've got written down. My lot in life is so much worse than yours. They do this solidly for like five minutes. Right. And it makes me laugh so much. Um, this is kind of when I was very happy that I know that they could role play together with no influence from me whatsoever. And that I think is good to have at a table. It's what I generally want to have when I'm a player at the table. So as a, a DM, I get to sit back and just let them explore characters together with no influence from me i just interrupt them if it's possible when i feel that mm, and i think we should be moving on uh moment in my chat so but it was nice listening to them play together it was like yes this this group of people is going to work yes we've got a core i love it absolutely and yeah once um uh Caitlin goes to get um the witch <laughs> um you have Sultana already plotting to escape and I, I love en- it I enjoy that so much I- <laughs> I've got written down uh Sultana's plan to GTFO is beautiful and it, it really is it, it is it is ah, I've got connections I'll get Caitlin a new job it's yep. fine I love it I love it so much <laughs> Sultana is so practical and optimistic in this moment it is like 100% like a really big counterpoint to Raul's um Uh, negativity like Raul's had a very negative experience and Zoltana's like well here's my practical way of solving this problem problem solved and then walking on like I I love it so much (laughs) it's such a nice moment it it is great and I I I, I enjoy that a lot I do have to admit I don't know what exactly how I would have handled them breaking free of all this but it's it was an option they could have done it if they really wanted to Uh, I just would have to have I don't know I'd lived a lot on the fly adjusted as I went (laughs) My assumption is always that you could get back, get them back on the railroads just by um, tempting them with the artifacts. Yeah, um, they come across it. They they do this. They get like missions to go do other stuff, and they find out they're still actually working for Lindra or Caden or Demi or whoever. Like I would have figured out a way around to get them back on track, or at least on a slightly different looking track. <laughs> I would have figured it out, but luckily I didn't have to. So track goes in the same direction, but not the same path. You know, yes, like maybe yes. a little bit of roundabout. Less, less of a less of a diagonal straight line, more of a wibbly wobbly side to side line, yeah. which is kind of what most of our like story is anyway. <laughs> it can get quite wibbly wobbly, mm-hmm. um, and I just enjoy how hard Casey comes into this episode. I enjoy mm-hmm. their energy so much. Uh, they come in just like, meh, I'll, I'll get him a new job, see? Meh, we'll run away. Meh, we'll slap a fake moustache and row. Nobody knows. Oh meh. my god, this is the beginning of the fake moustache, like, running gag that is in TRD. <laughs> it's so fucking hard. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. I, 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 I was laughing so fucking hard at it when I was listening to this with Casey, uh, with Cassie. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, beginning of the false moustache, Ross Pessimism is a great counterpoint. Yeah, like, it's just... I don't know something about the idea of sticking a false moustache on the end of his snout. Just it just makes me giggle, and I'm I'd forgotten it had come in this early in the show. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then we uh, have Caden return with Demi. And we do Demi. Yeah, that's the uh, next thing that happens. Basically, <laughs> uh, she comes in pretty early in the episode. I I genuinely remember her coming in like episode five, but no, she's just like on the smack dab middle of uh, like early episode four. Yeah, um, like, so Demi was my vehicle to get the binding on them. Um, I knew that keeping them together would be difficult because their characters are so different. Um, and having them split up would be difficult to manage in a podcast when I'm trying to keep everyone together. And as a DM, 
you don't necessarily have to do exactly what I did, but they are so vastly different characters and I needed a way to keep them together. And my idea was I was literally going to bind them together. Um, and this is something that I had thought had thought about for like how I would manage that. How And this was something that I basically settled on. Like, okay, I can have someone put a magic spell on them to make sure that they don't run away. Um, and there were side effects. For example, if they had run away, if they had gone more than a certain distance from each other, there was a mechanic I had written down that would basically start giving them negatives and minus hit points and exhaustion levels until they met back up again. But they never actually spit away from each other in the end for you? like the at all. They didn't actually get more than a mile away from each other for more than an hour ever until the bond was broken when they get, went to another plane of existence and away from Caden. So I was like, oh, well, cool. I guess it kind of worked then. They never really tested the limit. So, um, but yeah, I kind of wanted, I wanted a way to do this and I wanted there to be like a symbol or a mark that they could attach themselves to for a while um, and obviously give them some benefits and overcome some of those oh hey we want to have a private conversation but we're in the middle of a bunch of other people oh great i could tag that onto this binding thing and then they can have message between themselves so demi was really that vehicle for getting that to them um getting that message to them getting the idea that they are still prisoners and they are still bound like getting that to them so demi 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 delivered a lot in that scene (laughs) Yeah, I, I think it's a very interesting idea, and I think it's um not something I've heard. Like I've never experienced it, at least in um like in a board game setting. You know, yeah, in like a home game. That's yeah. the word I was looking for. Um, where the DM just kind of goes like, oh, it, like I guess I've been playing with very rules heavy people my entire life, and seeing yeah. a DM just kind of like hand wave pretty big things and invent pretty big things that aren't like straight up magical items or like um, spells with like descriptions. It's very interesting, I guess. Um, this really comes down to my utter ignorance of D&D. Um, so I think I've said this a few times. I'm really not great at the system. I'm not a great dungeon master. I'm, I, I, I enjoy the storytelling. Um, that's, that's the thing that's the focus for me. So I don't know list of spells. I don't know list of monsters. I don't generally, or at least I didn't used to run with a lot of character sheets. I There are still some characters that don't have them. Um, pretty important NPCs that still don't have character sheets. Um, so a lot of it comes down to my ignorance and also the fact that I didn't want to be bound by some of those law or rule heavy moments. For example, you always have to somehow find a way to hand wave, oh, we're talking about big major plots. We're just going to go to the side here and have a quick conversation. In the idea of a story, you can't do that. Um, Like the idea that we're just going to step aside and have this conversation, do you mind giving us a minute? Like that often doesn't work in a real situation or in these situations where there are such heavy stakes to them. I'm like, okay, I will make sure you'll have message and you can just do what you want then and you don't have to worry about it, at least for now. Um, So I was just happy to just, nah, I'll I'll wave it into one and we'll make it a thing and I'll figure out the mechanics of it exactly later on. But I had like vague rules written down and, you know, who better to break the magical rules than the head of the Witcher Society? So I was like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> well, the current head of the Witcher Society. The current head of... Oh. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, if if this event took place about a month and a half later, the head of the Witcher Society would not be breaking any rules. Yeah, you're right. It's two months later, I think, that she, she gives it up. Um, for the greater good, actually. For the greater good. Um, for the greater good. <laughs> So, um, um, 
So I, I just wanted to mention this because I, I've because you mentioned like when you're having like character moments and they can't really take a side and talk to each other. Um, I've done it more than once when I'm DMing a, DMing a home game where I basically just tell my players like no matter talk at this point unless you have a spell that would allow you to like transfer information without other people hearing. Mm-hmm. I am assuming that the people at the table and the people that are talking to you can hear everything that comes out of your mouth for the next seconds. Just assume everything is real time. Like I want this discussion to actually happen. Yeah. I, I don't want you guys to meta talk your way around it so everybody <laughs> knows all the like intrinsic information no no now it is time for you to be your character yeah there, there are definitely moments in in campaigns and stories when you need to do that especially if there is a lot of pressure on that moment mm-hmm. um but sometimes for example we know that there are players at the table who are very good with the magics and with the sorry with the the meta of the situation the literal yeah. this is how a round works this is the spells you have access to some of our players are very good at that and sometimes you need to be able to transfer that information and sometimes that has to be done off the table or, or sorry, yeah. out of the scene. Yeah. Um, and that information needs to be given. And sometimes you just need that moment to get that information out. Um, and I think sometimes that's needed. Sometimes it's not needed. Um, but- of, of course, of course. I'm not being like, I wouldn't, <laughs> let me rephrase it like this. I wouldn't have been unreasonable if somebody just forgets a name. That, like, <laughs> I, I would allow somebody across the table to give them the name. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, it's more than like, wait, did we ever kill, like, insert name? It's like, <laughs> n- now you just set that at the table. Like, you're, yeah. you need to know this kind of shit. Come on. Yeah, there, there are sometimes things that need to be given. And sometimes, like, especially with, with uh, newer players or less comfortable with the system players, sometimes you just need those conversations, even in character, to happen. Um, So I was like, all right. And also, I just can't be dealing with this. We have to go to the side and have a conversation because sometimes there are moments where you need to be able to plan strategies out and me to to cut down on those. And like, yeah, I'm just not going to be, I'm just, I'm just going to give you a way to just simply hand way through that. And when it, when it goes, it goes. I never actually plan for it to disappear. Um, if they'd come up with a way of breaking it without hurting Caden or if they'd managed to persuade Demi to break it later on, like Sailor V, like that would be the case, but I'd never planned on it. Yeah, so uh, getting back on the episode. We sorry. <laughs> ha- no, don't be sorry. This is point of the episode or the show or whatever. Um, we have Demi walking to the scene and um, I had kind of forgotten what Demi looked like until yeah. Cassie redid some art for us. Yeah. And it absolutely re like uh, refixed her back in my brain because she had become this kind of like really tall, lanky yeah. lady in my head for some reason. Yeah, that's right. It's because she she has... Uh, I don't really know how to phrase it any other way. She has big dick energy about her. Um, so it doesn't really matter her height. She's always going to feel and sound bigger because she's a, she's a larger-than-life character. She's very loud, very quick. Um, she thinks quickly. She speaks quicker than she, sp- when, than she thinks, which is a scary thought. Um <laughs> So there's there's a lot going on in there, and I always wanted her to be a big character, like um, not necessarily a, as big a character story wise as she's become, but like a big memorable person um, because she's the head of the Witcher Society. Why wouldn't she have a fairly big personality? She's fairly young for the post, um, so I, I kind of it's very easy to forget that she's actually a very small, very slight, you know, punch on the arm will kind of like knock her over kind of a person because she just has a huge aura of magic about her and she's a very big person, I guess. <laughs> it's a big personality in a small body. Yes, big personality, tiny body. 
<laughs> at least for a human. Um, I do have to give a shout out to Kessie and Tian, who were just like, five foot four? You call that short? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Some of us weren't born with huge fucking legs. Some of us are stuck in the five foot category. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm five foot eight, five nine, something like that. I don't know. I'm, I'm not the tall. Well, I... I, most of my friendship group back in Britain were all over six feet, so I felt always very short. I'm the shortest of my friends group. Always <laughs> yes, you been. are. It's hilarious. <laughs> uh, so uh, we have um, Demi come in and uh, she's preparing to cast a binding ritual. Yeah. And she, uh, well, Demi mentions the fucking jacket, which uh, gave my brain a fucking run around again, um, which is now a hoodie. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. But there's another thing that she mentioned that says, um, Demi says she saw a dragonborn about a year ago. Yep. Are we talking about Ama? Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> she was vaguely aware of Ama. Um, How would you just be vaguely? There's somebody who looks like a dragon walking around. You would have assumed that uh, she would have stolen her blood. Dragon. You, um, you would assume she would have stolen her blood by now. Like, <laughs> so, so back then, like, you know, Demi only really had a vague um, awareness of like who was in the town. I mean, the town is still pretty big, um, and Demi would have been doing more leadership stuff um, than what we see her doing in the show, because what she does in the show is act as your knowledge bitch. Um, so she doesn't. You don't really. See see her leading so much when that's what she would have done up to the point of the apocalypse the end of the world um so yeah she wouldn't necessarily have known everyone in the town and like oh there's a dragon person you know i vaguely kind of i've seen them about but i haven't had a chance to deal with them yet um in uh, very much her way (laughs) all right and then before our spell was cast you start the joke i genuinely thought the crew had started this joke is anyone wearing anything metal oh yeah that was me i i have in my notes about that I don't know about the metal. Um, I I think I may have said this before, and I, maybe because I, I can't... So I can't do any outros as Demi, especially not in the early episodes, because I Demi just takes over my mouth and I don't know what I'm doing. It very much is a stream of consciousness, and that is sometimes how my brain works. It is just... And then I hit a point. I'm like, oh, okay, great. Um, so... I just opened my mouth, let her speak, and what came out was, is anyone wearing any metal? Oh, shit. What did I do? So I don't know why that came out. (laughs) I don't know where that came from, but it's a running gag that I decided to keep going. I will somehow make this a thing somewhen at some point. I just don't know when or how or what yet. I will just let her open her mouth and we'll figure it out. Uh, another thing that I found entirely entertaining is Demi's preparing them for the ritual and mm-hmm. Demi goes like, oh, you're all going to have to hold hands and we're going to have to make like a little circle and we're going to put Caitlin in the middle and then blah, 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 blah. And then shit starts catching fire. And yeah. uh, you have Demi going like, oh, I'm sorry, I did that. And, <laughs> and Bob's like, no, no, calm down. <laughs> Do the magic. No, no, no. I, I did a thing. Like, no, 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 yep. no, no. Do the magic. <laughs> You've been in the scene for 20 minutes and nothing has happened. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Demi's energy that she brought into that scene was very at odds with any of the energy that we'd had previously. Yeah. And genuinely at, like, at the recording, I, I, I think it also kind of comes across a little bit in the episode, but there was that moment of, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Who the fuck have you brought? What the fuck is this character? And there was a lot of, not exactly resistance, but what the fuck energy in that scene from everyone. And it's evolved into being more comfortable with it, but like, 
yeah, it was just like a, guys, we need to do a thing. Just grab hands. And what uh, I don't know about Greta's grab hands. Um, I, don't so. know I find it so entertaining. Like you come in, uh, you come in this dummy, and in the first like three or four minutes, you deliver the information. We're going to do a binding ritual and yep. we're going to need to hold hands with that. And we're need to, going to need to put Caden in the middle. Then about 20 minutes when it comes to casting the spell, everybody's forgotten what the fuck she said at the beginning because she's just flooded the room with just yeah. unnecessary sideline information. And I find it so entertaining that the entire, like, what was it? Uh... Um, when Demi asks them to grab hands, everyone has already forgotten what was the only thing that she asked them. Probably yeah. because he flooded them with other info. So that that um, that is very much... Uh, so... The homage, or the origin of Demi Adamas' characters is from a home game that um, De- um, Thirsty and I played. Um, I was obviously Demi, he was obviously Damas. And they never got a good conclusion to that story because the campaign fell apart. And I'm like, I'll put them in as a self-referential Easter egg and I'll have them in there and I'll have their stories play out. And like, it goes on in the background. I need to worry about it. Um, so I just brought her personality quirks across, which was she was a wild magic fire sorceress with psychic uh like fear abilities that was actually her um her specialty was to do things like crown of madness and cast fear and stuff like they were the things she was actually good at fire was a a side tangent and part of her personality was that she spoke extremely quickly because i didn't want to do a voice at the table because everyone made me feel weird so i just started speaking really quickly and it added to that every time she got like scared or frightened or overexcited wild magic would just go off and that was just how we decided to mechanically play that so demi coming in speaking very quickly was a side effect of bringing that in but also it has allowed me to drop a lot of information and for it to be buried for it to be referenced back later of like, actually, this has been going on for a while. You just need to dig apart some of the shit that Demi says. So I basically have decided that Demi has a lot of information. She knows a lot from various sources. And sometimes what I know she knows spills out in my speech patterns because I don't add a lot of filter to Demi. It just comes out, which is why I could never do the outros because I kept dropping bloopers and kept dropping like freaking information that is important to the story. So, yeah, yeah. So she has a lot of information, but she also lies a lot. Um, There is a lot of manipulation that goes in to some of the stuff that I say and some of the stuff I bury in the hoard of information that she drops. Um. Yeah, I do have the distinct feeling early on that Demi is um, hiding a lot. Yes. Um, So the one thing that I I kind of remember very distinctly is she's talking about her brother. Um, She's talking about, oh yeah, I know about gods. I know one, I know two. I I help build walls and stuff. She's not exactly lying, but she is telling a half-truth. But nobody ever did an insight check on her. Nobody ever figured out that what she was or what she was planning or what was going on with her, that she had the voice of Grumpsh in her head. Um, Like that never came out because nobody ever checked what she was saying (laughs) because she dumped so much information. She (laughs) really does. What do I insight on this? And that's fair. (laughs) All right, let's get on to the the uh, bonding ritual because I have a bunch of questions (sighs) about it. Yeah, yeah, go for it. All right, so first of all... um, 
when she mentioned and, and explains what's going on with the bonding with Joe, yep. uh, Arch real quick like realizes like, oh, I have a voice in my head. Am I going to be feedback looping it to everybody else? <laughs> had you even thought about this? No, I hadn't at all. My my plan was just to have Marnak be quiet. He wasn't going to, because he has a different bond with um, with Lafian. Like, he was just going to be speaking to Lafian. It doesn't have to be broadcast in, like, the rest of the binding. Um, so I hadn't considered this would be a thing but Arch jumped on it I'm like great this is perfect because accidentally you've hit something that has already happened with the character who's also in the scene so fuck it yes we'll build on that and then you can learn more about stuff so yeah yeah it's uh, a happy coincidence I, I think Arch's thought it makes a lot of sense it like, does massively yeah it is that idea like oh I, I think this personality is talking to me through message and I'm about to have message <laughs> like permanently put in my well, brain they didn't know about the message thing <laughs> no but you knew there was something going on <laughs> oh yeah something clearly shady was happening <laughs> yeah and then uh, the botanic ritual starts and cue music mm-hmm. um, and you have Demi help balance erect the wall against mm-hmm. monarch um I think that's a really good scene. It's a very, like, interesting scene. Yeah, it, and the music Neil puts underneath it really makes it something. Yeah, it really, really helps. Yeah, it was it was an unintended moment, I think, for that, like, moment of everybody helping Balance to build these walls to separate Marnak from everyone else. It's just such... It was a very unintended moment, but the music Neil puts under it really makes it something bloody special. Um, Absolutely. And it's just, yeah, it's just a good, good moment. It's a good scene. And you proceed to explain and uh, describe the casting of the spell and mm-hmm. the effects of it. And at one point, you um, you have them all do, I think it's intelligence saving throw or wisdom, wisdom saving throw. Yeah. And uh, Ral and uh, Balance fail their saving throws. Yeah. <laughs> and you say, like, you, the, you say that they can hear, like, Caden screaming in the background. Yeah. But that fuses into uh, what was what was the phrasing? You hear the screams of the people you've lost. Yes. What were you trying to communicate in the binding ritual? Like what? The their experiences, they may not be consciously aware of it, but subconsciously, like their fates have become intertwined. They become bound at that moment, um, and it's a sharing of experiences. They're not aware of it, but they are sharing their fates. They're sharing everything they've existed so far, all of their memories. Um, And they've all lost people in awful ways. Um, And I wanted to communicate that, hey, this is probably a deeper binding than you're ever going to understand. Um, Like this, you know, your fates have been bound together forever and ever and ever in a day, Um, to a degree, (laughs) until they break it. Um, Like, and I wanted to communicate that this was a deeper level and hearing the screams of everyone they'd ever lost hearing and feeling those experiences is like yeah you're you're kind of sharing something really significant here um there is a big change happening in your lives now were you in any way trying to hint at the fact that they all had a significant significant lost one in their past yeah um, yeah because they've all lost someone um they didn't really know much about each other's characters um at all really because they hadn't they weren't present for each other's backstory episodes mm-hmm. um so they never learned about odette and hang on how come odette isn't here um they never learned about Ama. how come ral is here without Ama? why isn't he visiting um like and the same thing well i just don't think we exactly brought up Ninverner at that point just that lafian was in prison um yeah like it was kind of supposed to be a hint that they'd everyone had lost something and caden also um that Caden had also lost someone, but we never really touched on that massively until much later. Yeah, I think it's an interesting thing. It's um, kind of 
in a weird way, it's like a fun little story thing that has happened in the background that maybe wasn't completely planned. But it is the fact that like all of their all all the strings that brought them there are extremely similar. Yeah, um, yeah. like it, it it is that conversation I had at the very beginning with some of them. Like, hey, everyone everyone has dead chicks in their backstory. What the fuck, guys? Everyone is here for murder, one way or another. What the fuck, guys? Um, Thankfully, everybody now unfrenched one way or another. <laughs> but it's like, guys, you're following. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah. It's yeah. the obvious thing to go for. And yeah. not a single one of them is there for the murder of their significant other, uh, per se. Well, well, Ral is there for the murder of Ama. I mean, he didn't do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying, like, none of them are responsible for it. Like, it was a... Uh, so- uh, yeah, well, Zoltana is there for the murder of the um, the dwarven. Yeah, the dwarven double one who was kind of a big deal ish in Falsum. Um We've never actually managed to go back and talk about like the various murders that Zoltana did. Just that Zoltana did do murders. Um, we've covered, I think, two of them in series or in. Um, we've we've at least discussed and come across in in game. But yeah, Zoltana straight up in murder, like legit did what they're in jail for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sultana's the only one who's in jail yeah. for uh, for what sh- she did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, then we have the... Um, you have the rune appear on everybody in the yeah. binding ritual. Um, had you thought about that rune a lot? Or was it just like, a, oh, there's the three of them and then there's Caden. Three circles in a circle around it. Um, most of the description of that spell and the the subsequent rune, that was all improv. I just wrote down, does spell. Um, does spell, add screams, add purple magics, because I like purple. Um, and that was literally the only reason that I wrote that down. But yeah, there wasn't a lot written down for it. And the idea of putting a, a brand or a rune on them came from the idea that, hey, they probably would have an after effect. There would be something that they could visibly see. And if for whatever reason they do manage to break this, then that can disappear and go away and be a good indicator that they'd broken free from this kind of prison-like um, escapades they find themselves stuck in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then you proceed to, which is a fun little character moment, like an unintentional character moment. You have them all, once the spell is complete, you have them all test out their message. And you do that by making them say their favorite colors. Yeah. Um, and... <laughs> Unsurprisingly, uh, Ral says gold. Uh-huh. Uh, but do you remember the other uh, two and then uh, Caden? Oh, Jesus. I think Caden might be blue. You're right there. And uh, I'm going to ask you why. Just why is Caden's uh, blue? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I had to come up with a color in the moment. Um, do you want me to give you a bullshit reason? <laughs> No, I don't want you in to. In the imp- moment, it was I just blue. I don't want you to improv during um, <laughs> during Beyond the Eclipse. I mean, I could make blue a thing. No, like I just improv a color. I'm like, yeah. I'm just going to pick any color they don't pick. Um, I want to say red for, for Sultana. Wrong way around. Oh, it's for uh, for Laffian. Yep. Oh, okay. He chose red for some reason, and Sultana chose yellow. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I am definitely putting this to the side. So when I do the uh, Beyond the Eclipse uh, before the story or what? what Beyond the the story? I don't know. (laughs) uh, Whatever the prequel episodes are called. Uh, Before the beginning. Before the beginning. Uh, When I I sit them down, I'm going to ask them their favorite color and then I'm going to ask them to explain it uh, 100%. You're awful. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then 
I have do have one question. Yes. So the three of them, Balance, Ral, and Sultana, they're the outside circles. They're the ones bound to Caden. Correct. Yeah. What can Caden do? Because I don't feel like it's very gone into. Uh, I, I think I did mention it in the episode. Um, Caden knows where they are at all times. Yeah. So he knows whether they have decided to split up and go for a runner. Um, yeah. He knows whether they are alive or dead. Um, when he is within range, he's able to access the the message of them. Mm-hmm. This is mostly, the, the spell was made mostly so that Caden can guard them, so he can be responsible for them, so he can find them, so he can deal with them. No matter where they go on this plane of existence, he will find them if he wants to. Um See, I yeah. feel like it, it's it's missing just like a tad little bit more that would make it more of a utilitarian uh, guard spell. <laughs> like, I, I would like for him to have bonuses on like hold person, but he doesn't have access to that. He's but, the worst guard to put them in charge. He has a green flame sword and that's about it, yo. <laughs> but you're you're on the path that my brain thinks. My brain thinks like I would, like if if I were going to um, introduce this in some manner to um, a, com- a campaign, I would definitely go for like, oh yeah, the guy in the circle, the middle of the circle, mm-hmm. he counts as being next to, like within five feet of all of you at all times, as long <laughs> as he's within 300 feet, like the message range. Yeah. So yeah. he can always do a touch spell or whatever the fuck he wants if you're doing bullshit. Yeah, like um, considering like your future uses of this, and if I ever were to write this up at some point, then yeah, I would probably include more God-related things in it. Um, I just hadn't really... Needed to use or needed to exactly think beyond, hey, I want to get the message together. I want to make sure they're bound together so I have something I can play with later in the future if needed. And if they were to stray from the path, I can bring them back on board because Katie won't be able to find them. Um, Like, I didn't really have much beyond that. Um, But also, you know, this binding spell was written by someone in, you know, probably over the course of like two or three hours um, from the moment that this was asked. Hey, can you do this? Sure, what do you need it to do? I need it to affect Caden if they fuck up. Okay then. <laughs> Alright. Uh, for, for some reason it's gonna stab the warden, but fine. Well, that was that was part of like uh, actually funnily enough, um when Squash steals Demi's notes, there are notes in there about the binding spell. Um like uh, giving benefits and like, hey, how do I make this negatively affect this person if something was broken? Like that I've managed to like figure out exactly why it would fuck up Caden later on, but I knew that like, hey, they're attached to Caden. I need to make this affect him if they fuck up. Like he is he is my he is my stick and he's also my carrot. Um he, yeah. he is both in this situation. Makes sense. Um once the walls up and <laughs> new uh Raul goes unconscious from the psychic damage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is this that was unfortunately a side effect of me. Again, not looking at character sheets. I'm like, oh, I'll just roll 2D something. Oh shit, everyone's unconscious. My bad. <laughs> well, it works out perfectly because yeah. Sultana runs over to heal Raul with the rest of her lay of hands. Yeah. And in that moment, Arch uh Balance can like sneak uh, slink away to have like a little moment with Demi. Yeah. It works surprisingly well. Oh my god. God, that interaction was so funny listening back to it. <laughs> what was that? Magic. That was magic. <laughs> You're so fucking quick. Like, there has to be a pause there that Neil there deleted wasn't. because that was so good. There wasn't. That was just me full on sarcasm. Um, what the hell was that? That was magic. That was magic. 
What? Yeah, it's magic. What do you want? And it, it's kind of funny because <laughs> what did you uh, all? <laughs> because because Balance literally said that exact same thing to Neil to uh, to Raul just a couple of seconds yeah. earlier, where Raul's like, "What the hell was that?" And he's like, "That was magic, Raul." <laughs> It's so funny that he gets turned back on him. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, that was that was full on sarcasm mode. Um, <laughs> it was kind of fun though. Um, and then uh, she goes on to talk about the idea of the gods and, yeah. and heads. And in this moment, you knew that uh, Demi has Grumsh in her head. Yeah. Um. So I knew at this point that she could hear Grumsh. Um. So the meta of the situation was slightly different from how it is now. Um. Like she had taken the voice of Grumsh away from Damas so that Damas could live a more normal life. Um. Mm, because, because in your world, all orcs have an innate uh, connection to the Grumsh uh, god. Well, yes and no. Back at that time, the answer was no. Like they didn't necessarily always hear Grumsh when. Thirsty turned up and he went, yo, all of us can hear Grumpsh. We all have Grumpsh's blood in us. Ha, ha, ha. He changed the world subtly. So I've had to like okay. think and retcon a little bit to make things work better in line. But at that time, um, yeah, she, he could hear Grumpsh and she had taken it from him so that he could hear Torm better because um, Torm is is, is um, Damas' god. So at the time she had just that voice in her head, but they'd put it behind a wall so that she wouldn't be overly affected by it. Um, she was also linked to a great old one, um, which was where she had her warp powers from and I decided to leave that patron questionable until mm, whatever I had to bring it up and hopefully I never needed to um, but as it is things in the game develop and change and since I'd never brought it up I could change behind the scenes a little bit of exactly how that worked so rather than her being a patron of a nameless great old one and hearing the voice of Grimch behind a wall so her brother could live a better life um, it ended up being like hey she took Grumpsh's voice from Dama so he could live a better life and Grumpsh as a result of that is also why she has her great old one powers. So I had to change things a little bit, partly because of Damas, partly because of the story that developed. So I just left, especially back then, a lot of things open. Some things I had written down, some things I didn't. Um, a lot of things I've just left open so I could manipulate and change them as we went through the game. All right, so um, Demi only has one voice in her head, and that's Grumsh. Correct, yeah. Um, but correct. when you wrote this scene, Demi had two voices in her head. Um, in, yeah, so the reference to the fact that she knew two gods was the fact that she had Grumsh and a great old one. She couldn't hear the great old one because that was over at Damas at the time, but it never came up, so I got to remove that. And later on, you can say, yeah, of course she knows more than one god. She's now part of the seven. Um, like, sh- shit went very quickly at this point. So, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of rewriting. <laughs> yeah, a tiny bit of rewriting. I mean, her story has always been that she and other people in across the world would sacrifice themselves to give us more time. Like, that's mm-hmm. always their story, and I'm not going to change that for shit. Um, well, you guys might be able to change it, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> going to do my best. Um, <laughs> Fuck that, you. Uh, Fuck you taking my soul first, my ultimate death away from me. Fuck you. <laughs> Somebody had to. Uh, okay, so um, Demi basically then goes on to say, um, now y- Lindrin owes me a favor because I cast this binding ritual, yep. but you guys are going to do me that favor because yep. that's what Lindrin told me was going to happen. Yep. Um, 
my brain has a little bit of a like a feedback loop there oh, no. because <laughs> you earlier said somebody in the witches society owes me a favor. Yes. What what like did nobody owe him a favor or is he saving up his favor or like uh, or... Well it's it's that kind of like I know someone in the witch society they could probably do something for me we're kind of on friendly terms yeah, maybe they yeah. owe me a favor like maybe I can wingle this out and Demi in her very straightforward fashion of like Okay, well, I still need shit done, so you do this for me. Yeah, yeah? So, you're gonna do this for me. Yes, you're gonna do this for me. Great, wonderful, great. Moving on. So, so Lindgren like hand like helped her move once, and yeah. then he was like, "Hey, do, do, do the spiny rituals." He's like, "These are not equi- 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 physical things." Yeah, like you once picked up something I dropped on the floor because it landed on your foot. This is not an equal thing, my friend. And then he's yeah. like, "Okay, fine, fine, fine. You can use them for your thing." Yeah, first. no, I hadn't figured that out. It was just okay. um, a turn of like, "Oh, hey, I know someone there. Maybe they." owe me a favor yeah, maybe yeah, i can okay, get this okay. out of them so i, I genuinely like because my, i'm listening to these kind of back to back and my brain's picking up like mm-hmm. not plot holes oh, but just yeah. kind of phrasings that don't completely match up yeah they don't they don't they're not a lot of things back then were beautifully beautifully planned out because i didn't exactly know how well this was going to go and if this was going to be more than three or four recording sessions like oh yeah 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 i mean I, I guess that is something I should probably bring up and mention and talk about, I guess, is that um, we had been part of a podcast that recorded a couple of sessions and then fell apart. And we were all really into it. Um, and as a DM, I had only done and was partway through a campaign, like a singular campaign. I'd never run anything more than that. And it was not a completely different system, a completely different setting with very different people. Um so I didn't even know if this was going to be a thing that carried on. And yeah, I spent two weeks in a room preparing for the world and some of the story elements that came up. But there was also, I'm not going to prepare more than I absolutely need per session. It allows me to be a little bit more flexible. And also, I don't want to put more effort into this if this isn't going to really be a thing. Um, because uh, everyone has those stories of, this is a campaign that started and then fell apart. And unfortunately, that's more often than not the truth. Um, yep. When you start playing games, especially online, um, even oh, in yes. many home games, there are more campaigns started for me than are finished. And to be honest, the only campaigns I think I've ever finished are the ones that I've run. Yeah. Um, sad, but true. Um, I've been, I don't think I've ever finished a home game that didn't come straight out of a module book. Yeah. It's, um, otherwise the home games just keep going. They just keep wrapping on them. And <laughs> I, there's a part of me that doesn't mind those not wrapping up because it wasn't about the journey. It was the, uh, like, it wasn't the end goal. What's yeah. that phrase? Yeah. The goal, the goal is to hang out, have fun with your friends at the yeah. table. And it, like, it if you don't play the game, it's, yeah, it's, it's not the end of the world if you don't finish the home game. Um, like, because you know, you're there and you're mm-hmm. having fun with your friends and that's the point of it. Um, yeah, yeah and, and I get that. But there's also the inner part of me that really wants to play this game, really wants to have these experiences. And God damn it, guys, put down the booze and the chips. Um, <laughs> I just want to play. <laughs> well, um, as the DM and as the as the beast wrangler, uh, <laughs> you, have been, you have been able to uh, catter. Uh, you've been able to keep TLD going pretty well. Um, we're releasing episode 151 
soon ish yeah, when this is weeks. recording i think like three weeks from now i think is when yeah. we're releasing it and uh so far you've been doing an excellent job thank you and i look forward to finishing the story out with you yeah and me too i'm i uh, as much as i love this and i love this interaction and i love hanging out with my friends and playing this game and having everyone hear it and enjoy it as much as i enjoy playing it and running it for the most part <laughs> i i genuinely am looking forward to the story wrapping um tilde's been a big part of my life but i also know that for it to be a good story it has to come to a good end and there is a part of me that also needs that i'm slowly losing my mind not finishing this story my brain is already at the end like it saw the end at like episode 130 i'm like i'm just near the end i could just finish it and then i went yeah but you can't can you you need to finish this story properly, don't you? There's more left. There's more plot points. Do it. I'm like, oh, no. Why is your, is your voice a little bit Irish? Can, I can you? You can't finish it, can you? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know why my own voice is that. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the end and I can see it. And I just need to hit it. And then I yeah. will be able to relax a bit, at least for a while. And then I'll start a new story. Hey, maybe. Uh, the hope is that by the end of this year, we will have finished recording it. Oh, I'm hoping the, so, yeah. By the end of next year, uh, we will be releasing the last episodes. Yeah, I think so. Currently, we're like six months ahead, I think, give or take. Um, yeah, but we've been following. Uh, this is this is off-table talk. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, guys. Uh, oh, bad. <laughs> back on uh, track. Back into what we were doing. <laughs> um, so... Uh, after Demi, after Demi and uh, Balance have their little interaction, Balance goes back into the room and he's adamant that Kythea needs to come with them. Oh my god! I and did not I want wrote... Kythea to go with them. <laughs> I didn't want her on that journey. I don't want more NPCs that I can't handle. And you're very lucky because all that uh, Neil and Casey do oh my god. is bully Arch. It's so funny. And I just wrote it both. Team bullies balance for wanting to bring up the ice. Wants to pork the lunch lady. Ah! It's been a while since I've had pork. I was dying. Oh, it's such a good interaction. You can hear, you can hear Neil smiling. Grin. Oh, it was so funny. He's so proud of him fucking self. There was oh. nothing but smiles and laughter around the recording table at that point. Holy oh. fucking shit. That was it, so funny. It's so good. And then um eventually um Caden brings in Kaithea yeah. uh, in a kind of like a desperate effort to like balance, leave. I think the it lunch might have alone. been a desperate effort for me to move the episode along, actually. <laughs> Like, okay, all right, we need to move on, folks. <laughs> and we have uh, Laffian, uh, we have Balance, and Sultana actually see through her um, disguise. Yeah. And that cues music. Yeah, I know that it's not technically how the illusion spell is supposed to work. I'm not really supposed to ask for that kind of shite, and it is kind of can be done on passives, but I was like, no, I want to reveal to them fairly early that Kythir is not who she appears to be. Like, it's why I kept dropping hints. Um, yeah. And I was like, no, I'm going to give them a couple of shots throughout the the first few episodes where they can try and see it. And I believe that Laffian, I made Laffian roll once um, in, I think it's episode two before they get hung, um, about trying to see through her, but it, he didn't hit, didn't hit the mark at the time. Um, so yeah, I just wanted them to be able to see that so they can kick off the next part of the story uh by the way like props on the description of kythea like 
you completely leave the word tiefling out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. And while I was not seeing a tiefling, I was seeing something akin to a tiefling. Like, yeah. uh, the, 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 there was one descriptive element that just stuck out to me, which was pronounced knuckles. Yes. It, I, I don't know why. It's just like, oh, that's a descriptor I didn't expect and yeah. kind of sticks in your head. Yeah, I don't really know why that came out. So my idea of tieflings, again, this is my complete ignorance of D&D, really, and all the lore, because I can never keep that straight, which is why I make up my own shit as I go along. Um, most most of that was from my vague memory of what tieflings were supposed to look like. And for me, they were like they were kind of, yeah, they were a whole thing that I explained to Lafian um, when he digs for information later on. Is like the rumors are that they have demon blood in them, which is bollocks, of course. But like I kind of wanted their appearance to give that idea. Hence why the horns are the way they are, which is why the hands are not quite as you would expect human hands to be or like traditional tiefling hands and I wanted her to have hooves like I, I, I wanted that I wanted tieflings to have that so I was like fuck it they're having it it's done over but, conversation over but how do they wear boots of elvenkind then um, boots of elvenkind are magic but they can't fit on hooves magic okay cool <laughs> they become horseshoes <laughs> No, uh, uh, no so, she can wear shoes. It's fine. I, I'm sorry. I just have to mention this because fucking I, I shoes. <laughs> fuck you, Abel. <laughs> this is just in my head now. Um, you describe them very um, like uh, demon-esque. Yes. And we recently watched the little dumb video about the idea that like evolution for some reason has produced crabs like eight different times. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And my brain's going like, oh, like everything always eventually evolves back into demons. Like <laughs> that's just in my head for some reason. I just want to get it out of my head. Um, also, also in my head canon, uh, she can't have scales. Um, but I realized later on like, no, no, I can't have a have scale. So I'm just having it as something that is like slightly in in their skin like just like around their eyes and stuff and in certain places they'd have like some scales i wanted to keep that aspect of that and um i don't think i've used the word scales but in my head canon she has some around her eyes and that's it <laughs> uh i don't think we have any intense uh, art of Kythea, so I, I don't think we do. Know. No, I think the most, um, I think the only piece of art we have for Kythea is the one that we got done for Valentine's Day um, this uh, year. Um, oh, yeah, right. That's Minerva. <laughs> what is Balance's childhood friends? Minerva? Ninverna. Ninverna. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's Ninverna on the, on the beach. Actually, it's not. <laughs> so I spoke with Kessie. So Kessie has done a lot of phenomenal art for us. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it has been completely prompted off its own back because it enjoyed listening to the story. And that's where a lot of our initial art comes from is Kessie just wanting to do it. It's actually funnily enough where the Eye of Winter picture comes from with Squash and Demi. That wasn't planned. That was Kessie going, I want to give you this. This is based on your Sue's holiday that you showed. I'm like, oh, Kessie, I love you. This is amazing. Can we use it? Um, but yeah, like Kessie had drawn had drawn this um, this image of the two elves waiting for a boat arriving or going away. Um, I thought it was arriving. I was wrong. Um, in Belleg boots, and it was based on Laffian's backstory episode. And I thought it was Ninverna and balance waiting for Talvin to arrive and after speaking to Kessie, Kessie was like no that's Laffian and Talvin and they're watching Ninverna leave (laughs) so the one that's kind of like bending around and has more light on their face is Laffian and the other one is Talvin I'm like ah God 
damn. No, Talvin is buff in my mind. Talvin, Talvin is buff as shit, but he's buff for an elf. Um, no, no, he, he's like a dwarf that grew no. up in my mind. No, he's not. So Talvin so, will pop your head like a No, crack. no, Talvin is not buff buff Talvin is is built and he has tone um right. he's like the only real buff buff elf that we have um currently at this point is probably Lindrin um Lindrin I think described as built yeah. like a brick shit house yeah. um he he is he's buff as shit he probably is a dwarf that is overgrown <laughs> like <laughs> that that is him but mostly mostly elves are, are tall and lithe and they have to do some real work to become anything other so no Talvin is is Tall and live with some muscle. So, yeah, I was incorrect in that artwork. That's what I thought it was. (laughs) And uh, we have Kythea remove this piece of jewelry that reveals its true form. Yep. And... Uh, it is later like hinted that it's a it's an heirloom, and <laughs> yeah. this kind of comes back in um uh, not major way, but it comes back in um in a Kino episode, a future Kino episode. Correct. Yes. Um, how much like was this just a piece of like note on a paper somewhere? Or yeah, it was that? just a note on a piece of paper. Like she has this thing; it gives her the illusion of being a human, which is why she has to tuck her tail in, which is why she has to be very careful with the way that her hair looks, um, the way that she interacts with people. She has to be necessarily a little hands off. Um, and of course, like having jobs like being in a kitchen with knives around and hot things, like the chances of you interacting with a lot of people on a frequent basis is fairly low. Um, so there was that. Like the only thing I really had was necklace, heirloom, illusion. That's mm. the only thing I had written down there. And because of my wonderful way of not taking good notes or being well prepared, I can now spin this into something else later, should I wish. Uh, and then I, I I I remember like writing down when the episode started like why does Garcia not have her accent and then when she drops the illusion the accent comes out and I was like oh oh okay that's great that's yeah great. that that is intentional on her behalf um, she didn't for example if she got seen as a tiefling. Um, this is something I'd kind of vaguely thought about like why would her voice change one she's from Kino so her voice her accent would be slightly different but if she ever got seen if she ever got rumbled um, as in her tiefling form she would be able to still hide in her human form um, because her voice would sound different like it would add that little layer of illusion but not actually be illusion to something she's doing yeah, uh, makes sense. Yeah, and also I was like, "Hey guys, how do you like my American accent?" And off cam, they ripped the shit out of me. Those bastards. Um, they were like, "What the fuck is this?" I'm like, "That's that's my really soft American. I got taught at school and drama." That's what Americans say. And they sounds. were like, "Nah, that's that's terrible. What the fuck is this?" So I've now given up, and it is now my Kino accent. It's not American. It's Kino. It's a good accent. <laughs> I like it. Well. <laughs> Travis thought it was so different that he cast me twice in the same thing. Um, once using my American voice and once using my voice. So <laughs> he thinks it sounds different enough. I'm like, all right, yeah, fair. <laughs> if I've learned anything from the um, um, uh, voice acting community, not voice acting, like the podcast audio drama community, yep. they love reusing voices. Yes. I don't remember what podcast it was that I was listening to the other day, but I heard the same person play like three different characters. <laughs> <laughs> One main character, then two just kind of off cam characters. Yeah, like I think uh, for me, the the biggest member I've had of that, I believe, is Wolf Three Five Nine. 
nine where the main character um i think i love the show but i completely forget everything about it like i enjoy listening to it i obviously didn't absorb much other than it's wolf 359 he plays two of the three main characters um one of them is a slightly russian-ish accent and one of his uh his more american accent but he also voices something else in that series that isn't a minor role it's a pretty big one it just isn't in it all the time and i'm I, forever just like holy shit dude like I, this is this are is they supposed to be clones or nope um one is just him brothers nope uh one is just him and one is some random russian dude that gets put on their thing i think he's russian anyway i don't remember exactly but their and... voices are so different like i didn't know they were different they were they were the same person like oh. holy shit this is this is this is where my my inner voice actor's like oh my god i am so jealous i have a huge crush on this um <laughs> All right, and Sarah Golding is actually another one who consistently yeah, yeah. she she is in everything ever. She has so many different voices. Um, she's so talented. Uh, she's the voice of Githa in the crossover episode. Yes, she is. Yes, and yes. she's about to come up in an episode called The Healer, which is filled with exclusively voice actors. <laughs> yeah, we kind of just got kicked out for that one. <laughs> yeah, I I threw Aether out of the house so I could record that because I didn't want him to know what was in it. So yeah, we have we have voice actors in that. It's Kareem, who's the voice of Wiwama. Um, we have Sarah Golding, who's the voice of Githra in the crossover. And we have um, um, Karen Heimdall, who is the voice of Elazar in the latest episodes. So I was like, I have to get this episode out soon because yes, you just you <laughs> this cannot come out after the healer. Oh, it could come out after the healer. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, Kaithia takes off the necklace, uh, yeah. the illusion drops, and all that good stuff, and then you drop Kino. Yeah. Had you given the players a map of the world at this point? Uh, I don't know, actually. I think I did. Yes, I did. So um, I had a really crude paint map. I, I remember drew this your paint map. It, it was paint. glorious. It was gl- bright colors. There were information written all over it. I Because of the way that the, the players wanted the information, they wanted what their characters would know. I had to make three separate maps. Um, actually, I ended up making four separate maps. At the very beginning, I made my world map, which had literally everything on it. It had Daemarius on it. It had Githa on, um, on it. It had the Olcath Islands on it. Um, it had all the small islands at the side. It had Kino and Discora. It had the Fate Island in it. Like It had literally everything. And it also had um, crude maps of where the Earth Duck Tunnels are, like the major throughfares. And each player had an individual map which had no information on Kino other than Kino. Um, it was missing some of the Olcath ones. Um, if you weren't from Daemarius, you didn't have the Daemarius Island. Nobody had Gita, um at all. And in um, in Discora, they only had the place names that they knew, um, that they had visited in their past or I felt that they would probably know about. Um so I don't make it four separate maps. And they were brightly coloured. There were, oh, this is vaguely green to represent some sort of forest. And here's the water. And this grey blob is a <laughs> is a mountain. That was that was the map we started out with. Um, and Good then when, when we hit the Patreon goal and we got it done by a cartographer, I'm like, oh, shit, I actually have to release the whole world to everyone? Shit. And that's when Arch went... What the fuck is this island pointing at Gita? Because <laughs> he'd never seen it. He'd no idea it was there, but I'd nor heard anyone else. Um, so they knew that Kino was a thing based on the map. They just didn't know anything about it other than that's where 
all of the starting races that that weren't accessible to them were like this is where everything else is because I don't know enough about them or their law right now to be comfortable running you through this. Yeah. Um, so that's why I put them all. It comes down to my utter ridiculousness of just not knowing enough when I started this. And uh, in this moment, of course, you reveal the Kino Descora War. Yes. Um, that comes gets brought up a little bit. Yeah. Now, I'm just going to admit that my memory might be uh, a bit spotty. Mm-hmm. Has the beginning of the Kino Descora War been discussed or revealed in any way? Uh, not up to this point, no. All right, all right. That I, I thought so. Because uh, you, you mentioned, like, nobody really remembers anymore why the war started, but they know roughly why it ended. It was something yeah. big came and fucked up everything. Yeah. Um, and that's s- been referenced in a episode. <laughs> so uh, at this point, I knew that a war had kept these two separate that the Olcath Isles were kind of the link between them and that's where the orcs were. And I also knew that having defeated the Dracolich was why they had agreed to keep the two continents separate, to keep the pieces of Marnak and Kel separate from one another mm. um, so that they could look after them, keep an eye on them, and they're dis- that whatever they were warring about, either it be resources or it ended up being a bigger plot point, whatever it was, they had agreed at that point, hey... We are kind of on good terms right now. Let's part as kind of a temporary truce. Like, you don't come fuck up my shit. I won't come fuck up your shit. We stay separate. We look after our pieces. And that's it. We never have to talk to each other again. Um, I hadn't solidified exactly why the war had started. I hadn't solidified exactly how they had gotten to this truce other than, hey, they defeated a Dracolich. From that point, they decided to stay separate. Like There were some things I had, but most of it I didn't. And to be fair, I still don't have a solid reason for why the war between the two things started. I have a vague idea, and I'm hoping to explore that in Forgotten Heroes, but we'll get there. <laughs> uh, we haven't... Have we reached the Forgotten Hero Patreon goal? Uh, yeah. Really? Yep, I have it cast. Um, I have... I have three people solidly cast. The fourth one is a question, and I haven't actually written the game yet, but I do at least have three characters, um, three right. players sorted out with their characters. So it's in the it's in the works, and it's in, in, in a different system because canonically it makes sense that it's not actually D&D, um, and you'll find out why when we get to it. Yeah. Uh, I just want to mention that I find it kind of entertaining that uh, when we were... When I when we were talking about D and D, when we were talking about Tilde off air before Beyond the Eclipse was even an idea, um, I did mention to you that like uh, once Tilde is over, like you know you're gonna have to explore a little bit the um, Keen of the Squirrel War because that is a perfect setting for a prequel. Yeah. Be- uh, with of course the problem that it, you know you're gonna know how it roughly ends, but <laughs> oh, again, journey, not the destination. Yep. And. Uh, you went like, nah, nah, it's never going to happen. And I keep poking you and I'm like, hey, remember, there's like a Dracolitz during the whole thing. Like there's a upscale, like there's a there's a bunch of stuff you can uh, f- have fun with. And you're like, nah, 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 nah. Like once, once TLD is over, TLD is over. <laughs> and then like one day we're just eating lunch and you just go like, you know, I think the Dracolitz war might be a really good one shot. <laughs> well, it was like, just to be fair though, the one shot is not about the Dracolitz uh, at all. Sorry, one shot. It's a mini series. Okay. Um, it will just play as long as it plays um, until my characters all die or whatever. Um, no, it has nothing to do with the Dracolitz. It's just set in that time. And it's a yeah. fairly significant event that they are 
I'm hoping I can get them to do. And if not, then I will just have to figure out how to make that work. Um, but yeah, like I, I'm very hesitant to write more in this world. Um, partly because I need TLD to be done. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and partly because I, I think when the story is done, it should be done. It should be over. Um, I don't want to do a series in a year's time after TLD is finished exploring the Draculich Wars because I, I haven't written that. I, I don't know exactly how this works. I don't exactly know how one becomes a Draculich other than they probably shouldn't. Um, I don't know exactly how they decided to enforce the treaty separation. Like, I don't have that solidified in my mind. And I right now don't have the energy to do that. Um, and also, I don't want to fuck up what we have. We have a good story right now, and it's a self-contained-ish story. Um, and I want that to be what this is. Um, if anyone else wants to have a beautiful Draculich story set 5,000 years in the past, then go right ahead. But that's not my story to tell. Um, my story to tell is a really short-ish, potentially short. I keep saying short and hoping it's only two episodes, but I know the players I've cast and they're really good. So I, I know this is probably going to be much longer. <laughs> um, it will be what it is. Um, I, I just don't want to keep adding to my workload. I need it to be done, guys. Of course, of course. <laughs> uh, talking about getting things over with, um, let's uh, finish up episode four. <laughs> There's not a lot left, but there are a couple of things I do want to put, uh, like, touch down on. Okay. And it is that um, Kaithia came to Discora mm-hmm. saying she was looking for somebody like her sister, and she seems to hint at the idea that her sister is a psychic. Yes. Why do I not have memory of this? Uh, probably because I think I only bring it up once or twice in the entirety of... Um... TLD because we don't actually explore much about Kythea's sister at all. Um, she's fairly significant to the story, <laughs> um, but we never really explore that very much. Um, it's something that hasn't really been asked much about, um, and she's very hesitant to talk about it. I mean, she's talking about the death of her sister. It's a very big thing for her. Um, but yeah, her sister is a psychic. She is very much like... Um, very much like Laffian is, has an inhabitant, <laughs> um, let's put it like that. And she had learned things from her sister and from the, the, the being that is there. Um, yeah. And did, did Kythea's sister, like she's dead at this point or? Yep. Um, so everything with Damara, um, Damara being Kythea's sister, everything about that had already been set, um, because Monarch. Everything about that had already been sussed out in my mind. And I also had to figure out everything about Kells before we started. Um, I didn't have to. I wanted to. Um, I wanted to figure out exactly what happened to these two mythical heroes, good or bad, from the old wars. And them being split up and, and put in different places, I never thought I'd have to deal with where um, Lightburner Kells' stuff was because I was like, all right, she's already assembled. That's dealt with. Damara is just a, a part of that. She's a, mm -hmm. a side effect, a um, collateral damage of Kells right. being put together. Right. Fuck. You, you're... You're making the giant assumption that people remember or know that um, Kathia's sister, whose name is Demara, yeah, she had uh, monarchs basically polar opposite his uh, correct, yeah, like his not enemy but like uh, the, the counterpoint, yeah, yeah, yeah his counterpoint uh, in in their head, and then 
of course they got put together and uh, things yeah happened. so Kells like when I started this I'm like I already figured out what had happened to Kells where Kells was Kells is always going to be like I don't I never labeled any of the characters like good or evil um, I just don't do that everyone is shades of grey I mean even Demi is a complete asshat in various situations um, that's always been the case uh, the same with Damas actually um, and the same with Caden um, um, everyone has slightly suspicious things that they've done and that's just human nature um but kells is an entity unto herself as is um Daechin. like they are to the two characters that i'm happy to ascribe the tag evil on um kells being brought back was not good it was not a good part of the god's plan it just ended up going that way because kells has free will the same as marnak does and marnak could have also started working against them but their relationship with Lafian developing we'll, we'll, as it did. Yeah. We'll get there when we get there. We'll get there when we get there. But yeah, like I'd already figured out Kells. I'd already figured out Damara's situation. I already figured out why Kythea was here. Um, so all of that was set in stone before we started. All right. And then a little plot drop that I don't know if they pick up on in a future episode, but I was just shocked, shocked, I tell you, <laughs> that nobody touches on. Kythea knew the apocalypse was going to happen. Yep. <laughs> I don't think anybody picked up on that. Nope. <laughs> Absolutely no one. Uh, n- not even. I don't remember being asked about it. Like, I think, like, why did you know this was happening? <sighs> um, I think that kind of gets hand wave in episode five, I think it is, when she explains why she knows about Lafian. Um, it can be picked up from context clues, but I don't think it's ever directly addressed. All right. And then we have the episode and drop the third air reveal. Yes. And I think it's kind of funny that uh, Kathia like very, like Cassie just goes like, yeah, yeah, I was I was looking for the third air of the Laffian throne. Uh, no, not Laffian. Death of the throne. Blah, blah, blah. And then they keep talking and then the apocalypse things get dropped. And then like, Arch just kind of goes like, wait, third? <laughs> Oh, I yeah. should be second. Like, yeah, that's why I found it difficult to find you. <laughs> it was very entertaining. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I loved it. I've been, obviously, I'd known about the existence of Pintor um, since before we'd recorded anything. And I've been holding on to that because I knew it would get dropped fairly early. I also knew who would be playing Pintor. Um, and he knew before Arch did um, that he was going to be around. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that you planned it that far ahead yeah. and then it happened that late. Yeah, genuinely scary enough. Um, like, And I think I mentioned it when we actually bring Pintor in into the game. Um, I think it's shortly after you disappear or as you mm-hmm. turn back up again for the second or third time. Um, but yeah, like the, the episode with Pintor receiving the marriage um, thing from Rowena to give to Lafian, that was genuinely recorded a year before Pintor even turns up in the game. Um, So that had been such a long time and we went through character creation and I figured out motivations and overall story arc for him. We just never got to it and I hinted at Pintor turning up in episode, I think it was 29 or 30 or 31, when um, Titus turns up and starts shouting Doom and mentions like, hey, they may be married in the future. That's a direct reference to the fact that I'd already plotted that out. Like, (laughs) I was already there. Um, So yeah, there is some things that have been planned for a really long time and never managed to get dropped so <laughs> Oof. all right um and that's the episode of end of episode four yeah um i think it's a solid episode i uh, like it has very much happening in it and i'm like i'm not surprised people get hooked on tld in like just a, like a couple of hours it's like there's so much going on the characters are all very entertaining it's 
it's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. Yeah, I uh, especially in the early, early episodes, I really wanted the characters that they met, the NPCs, to be vastly different from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, like either through voices or through like characterizations, like. And also because we meet some very important characters this early on, like we meet Lindren, who is not massively important, but like he's the overall puppet master for a while. Caden is vastly important and always knew that he would be. Demi is fairly important. Kythea is massively important at the beginning um, and will probably become again a bit later on. Like the characters that we meet early are important. Um, I didn't quite realize how important some of them would end up being to our players, but you never know who as a DM they're going to latch on to. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't over prepare some of their background information, but yeah. That happens. <laughs> All right. Uh, then I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, this was the fourth episode of Beyond the Eclipse. And this is the third episode of Beyond the Eclipse. Yes, you're right. It's the third episode <laughs> of the fourth episode. Oh boy, this is going to cause me brain headaches in the future. Oh yeah, especially because I think some of the episodes are later on may not have so much to talk about, so we might need to double up again. Yeah. <laughs> If we ever get onto massive fight ones, I think it's um, the battle on five fronts. That's a two-parter episode. Yeah. So that might be just one episode we talk about it in. We'll get there when we get there. <laughs> if we ever get there. Oh, we God. will. And I want to remind everybody that the Beyond the Eclipse episodes are currently being released on Patreon schedule. So if you want to hear more, consider joining our Patreon. Um, and if you want to reach out to us, if you have any questions that you want V to answer in the future, please, please, please send me some because currently I am writing all of my questions myself and it's very difficult. <laughs> So if you have any like episode specific questions, yes. like why did you do this? How come this came up? I mean, yeah, you can be dicks and go, hey, here's a huge plot point hole. Did you know about this hole? The answer is I probably do. And I just don't want to talk about it. Um. <laughs> it's, a, it's a side effect of being in a, in a role playing game. There will be plot holes. Yeah. Like actually when you play home games, there often are just plot holes that you don't think about until much, much later on. But that's because you're improvising a lot of things on the fly. And a lot of plot holes come out when Demi talks. Like, I'm not going to lie. A lot of a lot of shit comes out when she's around, which is why she isn't around a lot to start with. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else? Nope. I, I think that's it. Other than props to Neil for the music. God, yes. as always. As always. You, you transcend our voices. Thank you. Um, I think that's it, probably. Thank you all very much for joining us. And thank you, Patreon supporters, for um, basically forcing us to do this. This has been fun. <laughs> yep. Uh, looking forward to doing episode five and six. Yep. Until then. Bye. bye. Hey, thank you for sticking through the episode. Um, yeah, then we're working on episode five very soon because we've already hit that Patreon goal. Yeah, we very quickly, thanks to some generous patrons, hit the goals to do five and six and seven and eight. So Oof. when life allows us and we get an hour or two to listen, an hour or two then to record Blissful Eclipse, uh, sorry, Beyond the Eclipse, we will we will endeavor to do that. Um, thank yeah. you so much for funding this. We really appreciate this, folks. We do. Uh, we just wanted to quickly remind people again that the deadline for the art giveaway is the April the 30th. Uh, so there's like two weeks in which you have four chances to mm-hmm. get in four different ways of winning. Um, we, we're we rapidly running out of time. There's about two weeks left to get this just incredible art that Kessie has done. Um, they were going to be flying from Germany to Iceland to three different places in America. And they're all going to be signed by the cast and by Kessie as well. So it's a very unique opportunity to do this. Yeah. So... Get on that. Other than that, have a great week. Bye. Bye.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.